Hello, this is Discover, and we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter, and you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just two bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. Today on the Zabecast, my new Riot Virus hero is Brick Lady. Let's all be the calm voice of reason she is. Andy Paul enjoys me. He remembers the DC riots of 68, much worse in many ways. We also talk Pat Dye's legacy as Auburn coach and the epic El Presidente rant on the commissioner. All that plus a Rona Riot double roundup. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Tuesday, June 2nd, 2020. Thank you for joining me before we get to Andy Poland and a lot of good stuff. This is a crazy story. Henry Ruggs III, who's one of my favorite players in this year's draft, if only because of his basketball mixtape from high school. He was a wide receiver at Alabama, if you don't know, who was drafted by the Raiders. Just a absolute tightly wound ball of explosiveness, vertically and horizontally. Apparently, Henry Ruggs III's father said the rookie wideout suffered a freak thigh injury in a moving accident and is now using crutches to get around. His dad said he was trying to move a trailer or something to move furniture or something, and the trailer just kind of pinned him against a car or a wall or something. Oh, no. His dad says he believes his son is feeling okay despite the ailment, and it was just a little open wound on his leg, a little incision, like something stuck him right there in the thigh just a bit. With this COVID-19 stuff going on, they wouldn't let anybody in to see the doctor, his dad said. He's just having a walk on crutches, not putting as much pressure on it. Fuck, get him to a doctor. We need him. Kicking ass for the Raiders this year. I want to see it. Speaking of the Raiders, before I get to Andy, total mistake on my part. Last night, not having Gil Alexander of VEASAN talk to me about the new Allegiant Stadium. I, I asked him. He had me on his show today three segments, and I was more than happy to do it. I love talking to Gil, and I love being able to be on other shows. Uh, I said, I can't believe I didn't ask you about Allegiant. I said, is it as badass on the inside as it looks on the outside? And he said, 100%. I mean, I can't wait to see this thing. It's apparently got this big picture window on one end that pretty much looks out down the strip in Vegas. NFL games are going to be played in Las Vegas eight times a year. Super Bowl eventually in Vegas. Uh, uh, I'm just speechless. And on the outside, it looks like a giant, gleaming black spaceship. Black like the Raiders. It looks fantastic. 
So they're working to get that done in time. They're working to get the L.A. Stadium done in time. I cannot wait to see both of them, and I can't wait to see them both filled to the brim with screaming, fanatic football fans. All right, time for some Andy Foley, everybody. Come on, Andy. Where are you at? Calling him. Yeah, there you are. Was the home phone buried between the seat cushions or something? <laughs> no, I was in the other room. You've been calling on the cell phone for a while, so I, I was in the office here. Just, no. Uh, watching the president here on my uh, computer. But, no uh, problem. Yeah. So, uh, you know me with the weather. Can we put a pin yeah. in this weather day? June 1st, 2020. I mean, I think today's weather day, despite all the shit that's happening in the world, the weather today was spectacular. Did you get out for a bike ride? Yeah, not a bike ride, but I did take a long walk today. Nice. Uh, I have a a route that I I take now. I'm still hoping my gym will be opening relatively soon, but um, walking has become pretty much my main form of exercise, except on the weekend when I bike. Did you happen to see your Montgomery County executive get heckled to the moon and back when he held that press conference outside? Yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. As uh, a nearly lifetime resident of Montgomery County, that was not uh, the county's finest moment there. Uh, perhaps he should have announced that at the state house, don't you think? Uh, or just in a press conference where you can't have hoople heads, you know, heckling yeah. you, basically. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really awful. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? Uh, did you did you vote for that guy? Uh, no, I don't think I did. I'm, I'm, you know, to be honest with you, I I can't remember who I voted for for county executive. I was going to um, say, do you remember even voting in the low level dog catcher type elections? Because I certainly don't in my county. Well, I have, and I know I know I voted for Steve Solomon in, in well, one of them, and of have course. Just voted again for him. Of course, we voted for Solly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, uh, imagine, imagine if someday we see Sally up there, and he's announcing something that's not quite popular, getting heckled by people. <laughs> what if? Oh my God, this would be the most amazing karmic full circle. Sally gains some position, you know, in the county, gives a press conference, and I show up to do one thing. Boo, <laughs> boo, Steve Solomon, boo, liar. Go back to radio. No votes here. What if I did the Boo Ben Knopp on Sally? Maybe. It's become, yeah, one of your trademarks. And, yeah, that would be a real flipping of the script, wouldn't it? All right, we got a couple things I want to run by you today sports-wise, and uh, that includes MLB's latest back and forth. Pat Dye, who passed away at Auburn, his significance, and the infamous go-for-the-tie game in the Sugar Bowl, and also yeah. uh, Goodell being a total coward and reneging on Barstool Sports' Dave Portnoy's bid to watch Monday night with him. But first, mm-hmm. doing sports radio around and through disasters, calamities, and tragedies. You've done these shows with me. It's never yes. an easy thing, is it? It's not, but I'll tell you this. Uh, having done so many laps around the track, many of them with you, 
I don't want to use the word refreshing because that's not it, but it's, it's a new challenge. I find it incredibly interesting. Uh, there's different stories every day. I've never been one to like take a baseball game and spend 20 minutes talking about a play at third base. That's never really interested me. So the whole global look at what's going on has has really been good. I've, I've, yeah, I can't say I can't use the word enjoy or anything like that, but it's it's been a new thing after doing this for so many years. Huh. Okay. So at this time, you don't find that it wears on you as you're trying to. I don't want to say stick to sports, but you're trying to talk about the things that are in our wheelhouse and there really is nothing. There's nothing there. Well, yeah, but you know, I, I'm one who always likes to to go back to history. And for example, today I spent quite a bit of time, uh, Carol was out, so I did the show myself and I spent a lot of time talking about the riots that took place here in 1968 and the national guard was called in and the area where the now Capital One Arena stands down in Chinatown, that whole block was burned out. I mean, the, the city was, was completely devastated by what happened. So I was able to, to draw some parallels to what's happening now. And, you know, that's, that's something that I can do that not many people can do, mainly because they're not as old as I am. <laughs> yeah, now you were 10 at the time, right? I was, yeah, nine going on 10, and I, I remember it well. Uh, yeah, I mean, that you'd watch on TV, the uh, fires would be set, the firemen would go to put out the fires, and rocks would be thrown at them. Um, they just gave up. There were people who uh, had businesses that were looted, and uh, there was no looter's insurance. But for some of them, fortunately, they were burned down a couple of days later and were able to collect fire insurance. I mean, that's that's what was going on in this city. And, you, uh, and it, you know, so would you say that those were worse than now? Um, in terms yeah, of I mean, damage, it's, it's, it's damage. It sounds like it's worse. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah, I, I think it probably was, I, you know, monetary wise, it's obviously a lot less because of the time, but in, in a shorter period of time. Now we're now into seven days of this, not, not all of it in Washington, DC, but uh, this is a full week now since the since the killing and the protests have continued. Um, the other thing that was was going on, I mean, a was sparked by the assassination of Martin Luther King, and then on the heels of that, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated June sixth. Mm-hmm. So it was it was an unbelievable period and an unbelievable summer, and that was followed, or actually, uh, while at the time Kennedy was killed, we had something called Resurrection City here. Are you familiar with that? No. Yeah, it was uh, well. A lot of the the unrest was about economics that they, that blacks were not being uh, given job opportunities, and many were poor. And they got a permit to build an actual city on the mall in Washington D.C. Right down there on on the grass, and they uh, built uh, tents and they put up plywood houses and outhouses and dining halls. And this operated for, I believe, six weeks. And during that period of time, they were hit with torrential rain, and it was just an absolute mess. And and finally, they packed up and left. About 3,000 people uh, were involved in that for uh, about a six-week period. Well, given how damaging the 68 riots were, can you agree that we need to avoid that again at all costs? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm not sure how this uh, plan is going to work out with uh, the military uh, getting involved now. As as we speak, this seems to be unfolding at the White House. Military or National Guard? Because there is a difference. Well, it says says, Trump mobilizing U.S. military to end riots and lawlessness. 
So uh, this is uh, this is something that I think was employed uh, when the Rodney King riots happened 28 years ago. I got to check that because you know the, the the National Guard does have police work training, like the yeah. military military. Someone said, and and I totally get this. They're good at shooting things and blowing shit up. They're not yep. good at riot control, crowd control. Right, and and remember, in '68, the National Guard was called in, and no one was shot. There were no no shootings uh, involved in that. that. And uh, you know, I mean, it was it was devastating to the city, and it was it was a horrible period of time. But the National Guard did a great job in '68. Okay, uh, let's pivot to uh, this stool presidente thing. I, I'm going to play the rant by him. I don't know what you think of Portnoy. I love Portnoy. I've told you this. I'm, you I'm have. addicted to the. Okay, I, I'm addicted to the pizza reviews, and I don't always agree with everything he says, but I think he's he's really smart. He's really funny, and he knows how to talk one on one with his audience. He's he's really good at that. He, he makes eye contact. With each individual, he's really, really gotten a good handle on that. All right, here he is, shirtless in Florida, after finding out that the NFL has denied him his bid to watch Monday Night Football with the commissioner. All right, emergency press conference. We all knew this was fucking coming. I'm out here on the Riviera sunshine, trying to get my tan on, having a good time. NFL auction experience background check. Mr. Portnoy, we want to update you on the background and criminal check that was conducted on you in conjunction with your bid on NFL auction 3136325. That was, if you're paying attention at home, that was a quarter milli to watch Monday Night Football with Roger Goodell. Won it fair and Roger square. Goodell. It was an auction charity. Love his Boston Based on accent. the background report, you did not pass the NFL's background check. What did they say I did wrong? I falsified NFL credentials to gain access to Super Bowl LLII opening night in Atlanta uh, in 2019, followed by police detainment. After being informed by police that you were banned from entering Mercedes-Benz Stadium, site of Super Bowl LIII, you defied the police directive and attended the game. Criminal trespassing at 345 Park Avenue, that's NFL Commissioner Headquarters, where Roger Goodell said he would talk to the media at all times. He did not. He had me arrested like a coward. An arrest at 2015, 345 Park Avenue, posting nude images of a player's two-year-old son on the Barstool website in 2011. First of all, I did not know this. This could have gotten him in real trouble under child pornography laws. Me and Tom Brady are like this. I, I guess the, if he posted pictures of some little little toddler's dinky, the kid had a fucking howitzer. Oh. He was like the Gerber baby, and if you can't handle a big dick joke, then get a fucking sense of humor. Your credit card will not be charged. You won't be charged. Everything's deleted. The NFL will donate the amount of the uh, bid to the six nonprofits. So Goodell's out, and we knew it was going to happen. You have cowards, you have mega cowards, and then you have Roger Goodell. Don't let me win it and come up with this. Oh, you did the research on me? You don't have to do the research on me. You got a file on me the size of night. People like, oh, Roger Goodell will, will play ball. He'll like make himself look good. I've told everybody, Roger Goodell has no self-awareness, no sense of humor, Agreed. doesn't know how to deal with the brain like this, and he can't be like the funny guy, like, oh, wear the clown shirt. He can't do it. 
He's the least funny human of all time. He's a yes man. He's a puppet, and he's a coward. And this proves it. So 250 grand to charity. I want in Paris Square, and they say no. Why? Because they're afraid of me. They're afraid of the brain, and they're not going to have some fun with it. So fuck you, Roger Sell. <laughs> By the way, don't do charities and let the guy win it who you don't want to win it. That's on you. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it, it is a wrestler esque promo. He cuts like that. Yeah. I- I, I think it's a win for both of them, actually. Uh, it's you a win do? for Goodell. Yeah, because for, he's not a threat of security to Goodell. Goodell didn't have to worry about his he safety. Could have goons in there surrounding him, you know? Yeah, so that, that, that wasn't that. But I don't think he wants to open the door to a guy who's clowned him like this and and kind of acknowledge his existence. I think that, that would have been a big thing, you know, because Portnoy would have had lots of pictures of him sitting in Goodell's room and so forth. And the other the other part of this for um for Portnoy is he can now go around saying, Goodell banned me from my from his house. I mean that's perfect for his image. It's, so I think it works out well for both of them. It is good for the brand. He gets the pop and the exposure of I won this contest, I'm gonna go make his life miserable for one night. Well, not having to pay out the two hundred and fifty grand, right? Right. So there's so, that. I, 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 I can't afford it. Yeah, I could. I said that one of the things that the NFL could have done is they could have like kept delaying it. Like it'll be this Monday. Oh, Roger has a commitment <laughs> next Monday. Oh, Roger's not feeling well next Monday, and then just run out the clock <laughs> for the end of the year. Or or say Roger couldn't make it, but this is his man cave. And we have uh, Jerry Snitskin, who is the senior VP of league marketing, who is under Goodell's direction. He's just as good. And Jerry would be like, uh, hi there, uh, uh, Mr. Presidente. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the man cave. we got some chips over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They wouldn't have flown no, that way. It's a great thing. No. It's, it, is, it is brilliant. It is edgy. It is, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's remarkable what Barstool has carved out. What do you think? Having been in the industry for a long time, is the long-term arc of the company on the landscape? I I just use myself as an example, as a guy who's about to turn sixty-two and and into it. And you know, my son is is like you know a P one for that, and as are his friends. So uh, you know, I I think Portnoy's smart. That's the big thing. He's yeah, he's he's a he's a foul mouth, and he does things that go over the line. But I think, by and large, he's a smart guy, and if you're smart, you can you can pull this off for a while. I think he's got I think he's got a good ten years left in his run here. Okay, we do. All right, MLB. This was comical Sunday night. The union comes back with a proposal of more games starting sooner, yeah. with the regular season not ending until October 31st, when the first snow starts falling in places like Cleveland, Detroit, Minnesota, New York, and Boston. Uh, And then they ask for this, hey, if any of our players don't feel safe, they can opt out and still get their prorated pay. I'm like, what planet is that going to fly? So the owners then counter on Monday afternoon with, how about 50 games (laughs) instead and the same amount of money? This looks like baseball is ready to fuck it up. No, it sounds like they've got a deal to me. Really? Yes, the owner the 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 number is is eighty two. Okay, uh, the owners don't want to go 
total prorated at 82. So they put 50 out there. I think the number is going to be somewhere in the middle. I think they'll settle on 68 games or something like that. I think that's, that's, that's what's going to happen here. Bob Nightingale wrote a really good column last Friday in USA Today where he said, ignore the rhetoric. It's too much money. It's going to happen. And, uh, I, and, and Buster Olney, uh, had, had some good points as well saying, look, let's say they don't have a season this year and let's say there's no, uh, vaccine for next year. So now you're, you're messing around with 2021 when the new collective bargaining agreement is due to kick in and neither side can have it go that long. So they're going to make a deal, and I think the number is is going to be somewhere between 82 and 50, and they're going to play. Okay, so you're optimistic. Interesting. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's weird the way they go back and forth on this. I guess that's Negotiation. Look, I've been – not that that I'm a veteran of covering labor labor disputes, but in 1990, I was working for Sports News Network – which produced, among other people, uh, Wally Bruckner, Chick Hernandez, and Kurt Menefee. And uh, I was a, a reporter working out of New York, and I covered the lockout. And at that time, Bud Selig was not yet commissioner. He was owner of the Brewers. And he was going in front of any TV camera he could find to say, we've got to have revenue sharing. We can't go on like this. This does not work. And, and, they, and they negotiated. And it looked like, oh, this is not going to happen. There was at one point, it looked like the players were going to cave and Don Fear, who was a really dyspeptic kind of guy, but but perfect for what they needed here because he didn't take any crap from the owners. And he brought in Marvin Miller to rally the troops. And Marvin Miller said, look, we've been through too many of these wars before. And sure enough, the owners caved. That was the end of Faye Vincent, by the way, because the uh, the owners thought he was too weak. Right. And that's when Seelig rose to power. But I, I've seen this before where it looks like it's absolutely not going to happen. And then something is triggered and they go around the clock with negotiations and then they have a deal. Will it be done by Friday? I think so. That'd be great. Wouldn't that feel yeah. good at least? Yep. I think July 4th is opening day, and I think, as I say, it's going to be like 68 games. Fuck yeah. That would be fantastic. Last ad, Pat Dye, former legendary coach at Auburn University, passed Mm -hmm. away at, I believe, 92. He had a kidney failure. He was also COVID positive. They don't really blame it necessarily on that. He was known for two things, one being a legendary coach who had big success at Auburn and forcing finally the Iron Bowl to be played in their home stadium, where apparently many teams didn't want to play back in the day because it was this shit little stadium that, you know, was hard to get to out on the plains. But the other thing he was known for was going for a tie in the 1988 Sugar Bowl with the Pat Dye rhymes with tie. Basically, uh, Auburn took a a 16, or excuse me, Syracuse took a 13-10 lead late in a tight game. And driving the ball down the field, they convert a fourth down at like the 30-yard line. There's time winding down. They get down to one play from the 13-yard line with like eight seconds left. Instead, he kicks a field goal to tie the game where they had no overtime back then, even in bowl games. So he went for the tie, Mm -hmm. and they tied 13-13. Syracuse was pissed. They had a great season that year. They were 11-0. And Auburn was pissed because they're like, let's go for the win. It's just a bowl game. Your thoughts right. on the Pat Dye tie, and was it justified? Because he said after the game, he goes, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and sometimes you tie. 
Yeah, and you know he he wasn't the first guy to do that. Era Parsegian had done that in 1966 in a famous game against Michigan State, a 10-10 tie, and was criticized for it. But uh, that's how he was able to earn the national championship. Now, I don't remember if Die earned it there, but it's not like he was the first to do it. I I thought that was a, a really a, a bad way to go about it, and that's why I've admired Tom Osborne so much because you remember the Orange Bowl in 1984 I believe when if they had tied Miami they would have been the national champions and he went for two instead of one to win and the pass was knocked away intended for Irving Fryer and Miami won the national championship that year and um, you know to this day some players at Nebraska are still mad at Tom Osborne for doing that you know I would have myself a ring they say but uh, I, I, I was not as, as critical of, of Die as some for what he did. Okay. And uh, obviously helped raise Auburn to a level that they had yeah. not been on because they were really the shitty little little brother of that state in terms of football. Well, as I understand, he's, he went to Georgia. He played with, with Fran Parkinson there. He was a guard. And he started his coaching career, or one of the stops of his career was at Alabama, under Bear Bryant, who was the god of the Southeast Conference in those days. And there was some thought that his first coaching stop would be uh, going to Georgia, but Vince Dooley was still on the job, so he goes to Auburn. By the time Dooley retired, he was well entrenched at Auburn and made them a strong strong football team. So, yeah, I think he really made the Iron Bowl. I think he, he deserves credit for that. All right, rest in peace, Pat Dye. Andy, great perspective today. As always, my friend, stay safe, be well. We'll talk next week. Very good, Dave. Take care. You knew Andy would be right there with all the relevant info and whatnot. So as I record this on Tuesday night, uh, major uh, unprecedented action being declared by President Trump the Insurrection Act he has invoked of 1807, in which he says he will deploy military troops within the United States to suppress civil disorder, insurrection, and rebellion. Here is a quick snippet of those comments. Governors must establish an overwhelming law enforcement presence until the violence has been quelled. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. I am also taking swift and decisive action to protect our great capital, Washington, D.C. So, of course, the predictions immediately, Trump is a dictator, and oh my God, I'm scared for my country, from the usual critics. I think at this point, Trump has realized, look, this has gone on too long. I'm going to make my move and play this card. And assuming that the country is brought under control, and at some point here in the next 30 to 60 days, we get going again, then we'll see which way the voters want to go come November. I guess he has made that calculation that this is the way to go. After showing, I guess, restraint or as some would say, lack of leadership. So funny because the critics of the president will say, where is the leadership? Well, here's his leadership. I'm calling in the military. And I believe that is a 51% winning position 
in America. I might be wrong. I'm not a pollster, and and, and I'm, I'm not a political strategist. I think you can get 51% of the voters if he brings this to an end, where, get this, somebody tweeted, my favorite moment from a neighborhood WhatsApp group here in West LA is a very liberal woman who a couple years ago organized a school walkout to protest guns is now begging people to help fund armed security for the neighborhood to protect against rioters. You can't make it up. Again, I don't see this as a winning side of lawlessness and disorder, no matter how noble the cause, with the otherwise nonviolent portion of the crowds. When you have suburbia scared, I think that's a winning side if you placate the fears of suburbia. I may be wrong, and we'll see, and we'll see how this goes. If it goes poorly, then all bets are off. But this is the move that he has made. Let me give you your Rona, your coronavirus, and your riot virus roundup all in one here. We'll start with the Rona. Monday, coronavirus positivity from Clay Travis. Lowest numbers for deaths, 469. And new cases, 16,000 since March 26th. That's well over 60 days ago. Also, lowest test positive percentage on record at 4%. Of course, the cry will be, wait two weeks. I love this woman. I'm calling her Brick Lady. There are in the crowds on the streets four elements, and I don't know the true percentage. I'll ballpark it. Let me ballpark pie chart it for you. I'd say the crowds are 70% genuine protesters who want their voice to be heard about police brutality. I'd say it's 20% what I call recreational anarchists. And those are white punk-ass dipshits who are like, sweet, let's go get our violence on. Or they are gender studies majors who worked at a Starbucks that is now closed, and so they're like, what do I got to do tonight? That's going to be the case you're going to hear right here. This this woman is great. Black woman stops a car, nice car filled with white-ass Suburbans who are down there handing out bricks to black kids to go throw at shit. Bitch, don't give no group of black men no bricks and don't do nothing. All right? Push the fuck up. Go home. Why would you give that to them? Let me note here how this woman rises above in a way that I couldn't. One, she says, excuse me to start. That's incredible. Number two, she stopped the car and had him and opened the door and handed the brick back to the woman in the back seat. Most people would say, why don't you return that brick through their back window? But she didn't. Good for her.
Speaking of the bricks, oh, they're all over. They are laid out strategically in parts of the city, kind of tucked away on different streets and protesters that are walking their way towards where they're going to be. They walk by the bricks. Unbelievable. Find out who bought the bricks, who dropped off the bricks, and bring the full fucking weight of the legal system on their head. Just like I hope they're going to do with the white punk-ass kid who tried to burn down the Nashville uh, building. Same thing for the punk-ass white 20-year-old kid who threw a brick through a police cruiser in Pittsburgh. Little boy band white boy with his little fluffed-up hair. He had a hoodie on and an Antifa face bandana. Dumb fucker. Bury his ass. Bury his mom and dad with legal bills. I saw the mom and dad bring the kid in. Sorry, not sorry. This is serious shit. The woman that threw the Molotov cocktail into the police van in New York City, arrest record as long as your arm. Four different times, violent shit, spent time in a Oklahoma prison, out and about, and they want to give her bail. They want to give her bail. It's insanity. This from Phoenix, my future hometown. Councilman Sal DiCicco says certain members of mayor and the council's offices are putting huge pressure for looting and rioting suspects to be released immediately or they will vote down the entire city budget this week. Again, are you fucking kidding me? Leave them in there to rot for a week. To think that you could get a DUI in Sheriff Joe Arpaio's county and do two days or more in jail. First offense. And they're like, oh yeah, they were just looting the mall. No big deal. Let's let them out. Rona news. For the first time in two months, Spain has reported zero new deaths from coronavirus in its daily update. Good job there. We will be Spain Not because of masks, not because of six-foot social distancing, because this is the shape of the virus. Speaking of which, they're now finding out more about it, including that the R-naught, or reproductive number, according to Michael Levitt, Stanford professor of biophysics, they asked, well, what's going on here? And he said the growth was never exponential. He said... I suspect COVID can't grow exponentially because an infected individual has a hard time finding people to infect. Uh, another study in the published in the Daily Mirror, I believe, said that research researchers believe that the R naught is 0.5. Anything below one is good. It means the virus will fizzle out. It means for every one infected person, it can only infect less than one person going forward. So it just diminishes. They think the real number is 0.5, maybe lower than that. When it comes to outside of nursing homes and hospitals, the productive reproductive number is higher than that inside those situations, but outside in the wild, even less. Again, like I said yesterday with Gil Alexander, I said, these are interesting numbers. It's an interesting topic, epidemiology, not claiming to be right, just claiming to listen to other sources and read stuff and be interested in it. That's all it is. You would think there'd be more sports people that like numbers, that look at numbers, that like to analyze things that with no other sports going on would go, huh, this is interesting. Of course, with this, all this new news, it's like we can't open up fast enough. Although, Dateline Michigan looks like Governor Cruella DeVille has finally relented. She has 
called off the Mar- the June 12th extension for reopening the state of Michigan and said that restaurants can now start opening next week. Why it's not right now, I have no idea, but maybe some restaurants will say, fuck it. If you say next week, I'm doing it now, and what are you going to do at this point? Can we agree that locking down was a huge mistake? I mean, we don't have to say anyone should go to jail for it. We don't have to say anyone should be fired for it, but we got to admit it was a mistake, right? It was a mistake on many levels. And maybe we went into it, you know, with the best of intentions, but we can never make this mistake again. You never shut down society because we see what it looks like now. It's crazy. Ethical Skeptic, who's been one of the best follows on Twitter with data graphing and research and, and sort of analyzing of the curves and everything else, Ethical Skeptic had a best. He posted a picture of a little sailboat washed up on shore with a thunderstorm behind it. And the saying was basically, a sailor should never sail into uncharted waters merely to avoid a storm. A ship is built to withstand the storm. A ship is not built to run ashore. And that's what we did. We ran the country ashore, basically. There are people who will not agree with me on this. And I think I know who they are. And I, 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 don't, I don't know how you can say that. This was a mistake. We have to admit it. We have to call it what it is. And I've pretty much moved on from those people that are that way because they don't think critically and they will just never fucking stop arguing. So I wish them Godspeed and happy life, but I'm out. Finally, what is my last finally? Oh, yes. Uh, (laughs) More madness on the riot virus front. Somebody tweet or some news story said some are questioning whether tough police tactics against demonstrators are actually making the violence worse rather than quelling it. Um, no, because the first night of this last week, they said we're not going to deploy any police and shit got burned down left and right. So there's your answer. It's not the tough police tactics. If you say we're not going to be there, people are going to run wild. How this is even an argument is stunning. And then skinny pant, good hair, pretty boy, Jacob Fry, mayor of Minneapolis, tweeted, we are now confronting white supremacists, members of organized crime, out-of-state instigators, and possibly even foreign actors to destroy and destabilize our city and our region. That is such delusion. It's such a lie. White supremacists, none found. Organized crime, what's in it for them. Out-of-state instigators, total lie. And maybe foreign actors. Yes, a lot of guys named Yuri. I'm here from Russia. I'm here to instigate discord. It's unbelievable bullshit. But okay, you know what? At this point, you call them what you want mean unicorns that you are confronting, whatever, get your streets in control, and at least we're taking a first step. And then I'll end on one little thing humorous, two things humorous. First of all, talk about closing the barn door after the horses left. This one on the Rona front. Now the UK now the UK says sex during lockdown with somebody outside your household 
is now illegal. <laughs> Famed Imperial College epidemiologist uh, Neil Robinson of the Karen and Neil front. Neil Robinson said, uh, or not said, but he was the one that went out and was you know bringing his side piece in who's married to get some while every other Briton was locked in their house. It's now illegal. He got it in before it's illegal. I want to know why pass a law that hopefully will only last two more weeks, if that, and hopefully will never come into play again. There'll never be a healthy quarantine or a healthy lockdown in the UK, anywhere in the world, ever again. Can't happen. And I said I'll leave you with something funny. Club pro guy, who's the best? Follow him if you're a golf golfer. You'll enjoy him, his humor. At club pro guy. He tweeted, it's time to start focusing on the things that hashtag unite us, such as not wanting to hear people recap their round. <laughs> it's one of the pet peeves of golf. How'd you play today, Bill? Not bad. You know, I hit a few fairways on seven, though. Man, that pin was behind the bunk. <sighs> Don't care. Thanks for listening. That'll be a wrap. Appreciate you downloading. If you are a subscriber to Friday, I urge you, please take five minutes, cancel your Libsyn account, sign up at Red Circle. If there is a glitch or a hitch or you don't know how to do it, email me. We'll get you shepherded over. We appreciate that. And we will forge on with an optimistic eye that better days are indeed ahead. Quality content is worth paying a fair price for, and I appreciate you doing that for this podcast. I subscribe to The Athletic, The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, The Washington Post, and many others. I know everyone's budgets are tight, but I appreciate the $5 every month. Rate and review if you don't pay for the uh, podcast. That helps, too. Our algorithmic overlords smile, and they bless us. In the meantime, have a great Tuesday, everybody, and we will see you tomorrow. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just two bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting your cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to CancerScreenInfo.com right now for free screening resources and recommendations from the American Cancer Society. Don't wait. Early detection can save your life. Go to CancerScreenInfo.com today. CancerScreenInfo.com. Dot com.